But right now, much more importantly, on the line I've got Naranora Renata. Good morning. Atamari te whānau whānui o Whaingaroa. Yeah, kia And how are you this morning? I'm very well. That's... I, I'm um, picking up little messages uh, this morning and, and for the last few days of people who are returning from different places who have become unwell. But, you know, it's, mm. um, it's, we're living in extraordinary times, as yeah. I can at yes. this point say. I, I am kate ora aho. I am well. That's good. That's good to hear. And uh, today you wanted to talk about harakeke. Yes, I do, um, because it's, there is a lot of harakeke flaxes growing in our uh, community in different places, the, uh, in the council areas. Um, people are using it as borders of some kind out on their, their farms or on their lifestyle blocks or just in their homes within the village area. And um, I'm just wanting to offer that if you want to some help with how to actually care for the harakeke so it grows in a, in, in how shall we say, behaves, um, so it looks it looks really healthy and it's um, how to maintain it really because it does need maintenance and it does love the human contact in terms of that. But there are very specific ways that to maintain the harakeke for all the right reasons. Um, we do have some special places which the older varieties which were once used in the flax mills that were in our in our um, community, mm. and they are very significant to try and um, actually, uh, how do you say, um, not pull them out completely and, and send them off somewhere where they're no longer um, known about. They're actually very special flaxes, and I've come across one some very recently down in Kaituke, and um, they, so, are, they were part of the flax mill industry back in the day. Do we, do we know those, if, if the, the people who were doing because they wanted to use the, uh, the flax for, for rope, I think, and sent it off to Australia, but did, did they just come and gather what was here, or did they decide they wanted to plant their own varieties? Do we know anything about that? Um, yes, yes, no. Those are very specific species of harakeke because they have what is the inner fibre is a muka. And mukha is the fiber, it's like silk. Mm. It's actually New, New Zealand's silk. And it's just a beautiful offering uh, for weavers who, who work with it as to make korowai. That's a, um, perhaps a dying art, but there are still weavers who are very aware of what its unique crop qualities. Um, it has medicinal properties, all all these types of flaxes. However, more to preserve it so that it can um, be part of the renaissance of of those coming coming forward, the the younger generation mm. learning to work with it as a natural fiber, to weave it, and to become familiar with its um, what what it can be um, how it can be used. Mm. Mm. And and yeah. so and so, but you, but you want to talk about I guess caring for the plant so that it is an optimum condition for for weaving. Is, is this what we're um, talking yes. about? Yes, 
I think it's really important. Um, I can see that a lot of people, I, I would use the word, they just hack at it. <laughs> and it, and it, that not only will kill the plant, but it looks, uh, it doesn't look well. Um, what do I mean by that? <laughs> it looks There's ugly. Plenty <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of harakeke around in our neighbourhoods that doesn't have any attention. Yeah. And it would be of great benefit to us if we could, um, you know, I'm happy to have that conversation with people around how we can better care for that. Uh, some of it is planted by council. Um, who are they? They are us, really. Mm. <laughs> council, they're people, you know, people who are planting it on in, in certain places. But it does deserve to be cared for and to use proper cutting tools so that it can be, um, it can flourish. And, and, you know, it's well known that it brings the tui and other native birds uh, when the when it's flowering to uh, it's a food a food station for them it's their supermarket <laughs> get their nectar from the the flowers the the uh, away the yeah. kōrari of yeah. the flax harakeke so yeah. are we i guess the one everyone's thinking of the the bigger plants um, with the dark green um, fronds, leaves, and is, this is the one you're talking about? Yes. Um, probably not so well known is that there is a, a major collection held by Landcare, Manaki Whenua, mm. that was collected by one woman who made it her life journey over uh, over 30 plus years, uh, Renee Orcheston. Orchiston, who and that collection that she she went all over the country. She was well known for for this um, work, and her one of her goals was to actually preserve and grow different varieties. She named them. She named where they were from, and there's actually a book about that that talks about the different the different types of harakeke. And what they they were used for by the people um, where she collected them from. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah. if if we've got harakeke at, at our place and we want to take care of it properly, what what do we need to do? So, a sharp knife that's not used in the kitchen, preferably not your favourite butter knife. <laughs> not a butter knife, no. <laughs> They're never sharp. Um, one that's really really quite sharp, and you cut it in a certain manner on an angle away from the um, the centre of the plant, but you leave the three in the middle. The three, they call the rito, is the, the tiny one right in the centre of the fan. It's yeah. a fan shape. Yeah. And the two on each side. So one is the matua, uh, the father, and then the fire, the mother. And those three are always left so the plant can can regenerate um, in a healthy way. Right. So, yeah, so, so when, you, when you take from the plant, you don't take too much. No, I think when you're, if your intention is to, to weave, there's a lot of maths involved in, in weaving, you know, a kete, yeah. say, uh, even what is called a simple kete. Um, you, you basically understand or when you're working with a weaver, they will indicate how many 
how many blades, fenu, that you take to achieve what you're what you're going to be weaving. You don't um, sort of go, oh well, is this enough? You know, and <laughs> you 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 will know if you're if you're being taught by a, a weaver, they will indicate that to you. Hmm. And do we? I mean, do we need to care for them if we're not? Using them for weaving, not taking from them to weave. Do we need to care for them, or are they just going to be fine? Well, I guess they. they yeah, I see them a lot along the highways now. Yeah, yeah. There's quite extensive plantings. Um, over time, they will become more difficult to to manage if there's not this regular attention. Uh, we're not looking for the botanic gardens or anything, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but but more a. a of a um, caring for, so that they uh, they they flourish and they you know they don't uh, in take over the area over other plants that are planted around them as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just just a consciousness around that. Um, if if you you know if it's something that you you would like to participate in, I'm I'm very happy. For people to make contact with me, and I can share that that knowledge, that matauranga, um, with them. How do people do uh, that at the moment? Sorry. How do people contact you at the moment? Um, do I can I give my cell phone number on on this radio station? If you're happy to, yeah, if, uh, you're welcome to. It's it's um, some people are cautious about giving their phone numbers out, but I guess that would that would destroy any chance of getting in touch with you. <laughs> I'm very happy to. It's, it's something that I love. Yeah, yeah, go for I, it. I was taught about caring for harakiki. You know, it didn't just have to be for weaving. It was just to look after the plant itself because it has such a... It's a heritage plant. It's part of who we are. Um, it makes, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, no. <laughs> go, well, do, do, it now if, do it now if you want to. Okay. So I'm an 027 number and the rest of it's really easy. Four one four two, four one four. And I guess normally people would have the chance to see you at at a um, at a class you were doing a, a multi language class at the old school, but they're not happening at the moment. I know. Well, I don't think they are. No, no. I'm I'm teaching a lot um, from home, but mainly with working with tamariki. Okay. And they're weaving, so we're right on the Kaituki estuary. We're very uh, very. In the Kaituki Street. So, so is, um, is there a time? Is there a right time of the year to weave, or is that a, this is a, a, an all year round activity? Oh, so with weaving, you can do a lot. If you want to weave in the winter, you often would prepare in the summer or going into winter. But there are times when you do not pick harakeku for weaving, particularly when it's raining. Uh, when there's been rain, you 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 don't pick in the rain. Or if, if the you know um, a day like today is is a really really good day you know if there's no there's no rain right that, that's important so you, you you do have to have some consciousness around the weather weather patterns and you can keep it um, for a later date to weave it um, but you have to also care for it in a certain way so that it remains um, supple remain soft for you to or, or, or maybe you dry it out you know or, or um, 
you dry it out completely. You prepare it, you dry it, and then once you go to weave it, you place it in a bath tub of, of water to get back to its natural shape. Oh, okay, because that, that was literally that was going to be my next question was how do you prepare it? So it's just a matter of letting it dry out and then um, bringing it back to water to, to make it supple again. Well, it depends on what your intention is in terms of what you're weaving. Then you would uh, wrap it up in a damp towel and then um, you might be weaving that week or you may not be, but you, you keep it, um, you, keep it uh, you don't let it dry out. But if you're weaving at a later date, uh, you know, looking forward to another month or, or two months ahead, then yes, you, you, you prepare it for that purpose and then you let it dry out in a place where it, the air is consistent, it's not going to, um, uh, there's no mould, you know, uh, mm. in, the, in the room or the, the situation that you are going to leave it until you're ready to commence weaving. Mm. And if and if it's prepared well and it's a it's a strong plant, how how long do the items last that you make with it? How long? Yeah. Before you can use it? No, no. How like like when you start using it? Like how how sturdy is it? How long does it last? How much wear can it take? Oh, depending on the variety that you weave with, um, a, a basket and the use. Um, so you you know baskets were made for like for collecting kumara. From the gardens, the potatoes, that was the, the, the normal, uh, you know, we use sacks or, or uh, other ways of collecting our, our crops. But they were normally made with harakeke. Um, they, they would collect for a very long time if they're um, looked after. Mm. Um, years, years and years. Yeah, they yeah. Have, they have a long life. Um, of course, it depends, you know, if you're using it constantly. Uh, we also repair our, our kete or our baskets or clothing and that. But flax is an extremely, um, the mukha in the flax is years, generations. Mm. <laughs> I so can I, say that because the museum holds. Yes, of course. They hold um, uh, works of of made with flax and pingao and kutta that are, you know, hundreds of years old. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the, the, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that because I've got these two hats at home. Uh, a hat that I got from Tokelau in the mid-80s, which was made with pandanus. Oh, yes. And prepared yes. in the traditional way. And I've still got the hat, and, and it's been beaten up, but it's had a rough life, but it's still together. I've also got this other hat that I got two years ago from the service station that's just falling apart every time I look at it. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering actually for the second hat, the one that's falling apart, how hard they had to work to find a material to make it with that would fall apart so quickly. Oh, actually, a lot of material that comes into the country um, and made and that is woven is actually not of a high, what we would consider to be a high quality fibre. No, well, this one seems to have been, I think it's designed purposely to fall apart, so I have to buy a new hat soon. Oh yeah, well yeah, that would be. Unfortunately, I would say that would be true in yes. one sense. That's the marvel of modern science for you. <laughs> Pandanus is, is extremely um, highly regarded. 
mm. for its durability. Mm. Um, it, it, it will last for many, many years if it's cared for, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are certain fibres that have that lifespan, a long, long lifespan, and there are, there is a lot that has come into the country that people mistake for being flax, and it's not flax at all. It's a seagrass. Okay. Yeah, and it's very flimsy and very flimsy. Is that a good word? <laughs> Sounds, it, uh, it tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> and it's not going to last. You can um, turn it upside down, plant something in it. <laughs> <laughs> it could form the food for the next plant. <laughs> Make it into a basket for a, for, a, for a plant that you want to give a home to. <laughs> now you, yeah. said to, you said to me off the air you also wanted to talk about fungi, uh, presumably in relation to harakeke. So I was wondering wh- what that angle well, was. Well, actually, the two are not so connected. Uh, the fungi is a big topic, but New Zealand fungi, 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 is a very interesting um, discussion, and they were definitely used by Maori. Uh, the different fung- fungi, you know um, that were used for for travelling with with fire with um, so that they could a uh, person was designated to carry a particular type of fungi um, to so that when they got to another place if they were travelling they could carry the um, fire with them and and it, they wouldn't have to lighten the, the fire again they would use this this fungi that had the fire in it. How does that work? I'm, that's, I'm, ah, that's, well, that's, a science, I mean, that's indigenous science at, at its best, isn't it? Yeah, it's, well, it's yeah, English maybe. English name is, I'll try and pronounce it correctly, it's Ganoderma. Ganoderma. Right. Uh, and it's, it grows on the sides of trees of native, particularly native, but it's, Probably, you know, mushrooms are not the only type of fungi, but fungi is a is a beautiful topic. Is it like a is it like a moss? Sorry. Is it like a moss? Like a moss. Moss M O S S. No, no. Um, it's it's like a hard pancake. It's shaped like more like a pancake. Okay. Yeah, and and it's. And there are so many varieties that we may not, if you, uh, this time of the year, going into autumn, Ngāhuru, they become more visible uh, in the walkways and in those places where they've been um, hidden. They, they'll start to come up because of the warmth in the soil or it's their time to, you know, or they're already there already there we just didn't notice them <laughs> that'd be me because I'm, str- <laughs> I'm struggling to them and there they are right there I'm usually st- around the bottom yeah. of the tree um very special they're medicinal as well there is a tincture that is made uh now in more in, in our contemporary time from one that is highly regarded from the fungi for its medicinal properties for healing many things, many um, many things that we would be um, grateful to know about. And I think, I'm not sure if the herb shop, I've mentioned the herb shop in Hamilton before, 
because um, they have a, one of the, the best ranges of, of tinctures and their their dispensary is high is very very you know um, has a, a huge range of of um, native. Well, a very good range. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, but but how does this how does the fire thing work? How does uh, that... So the underside of this fungi was um, the fire was kept to smolder, right? And it could smolder for a very long time. But you were if you were the chosen one to carry it, that was your job to carry it, and you know you were you would carry it from from where your people were travelling from to the next destination. And that was your job to keep it, um, or pay attention, really, to to that job that you were given, which was to carry it. And, um, and to give it, I guess, I guess you'd keep it the right way so it gets just enough oxygen to stay alive, but not too much to go crazy. Yes, the underside of that particular one. It's, called, it's actually called um, uh, Kai... Uh, it's a, it has the Maori name of that particular variety that was used by Maori to carry fire from one place to another. Mm. And so people could travel like all day and and still. Oh, absolutely, keep... absolutely. They were that was their, you know, that was the. Um, it was, it's called Pākai Ahi. Its Maori name is Pākai Ahi. And um, yes, yes, all day, all day and into the night. <laughs> wow! And did did this require a lot of skill? And 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 could you kind of lose the job if you didn't do very well? <laughs> Get the sack, you reckon? Yeah. Well, <laughs> d- don't know. I think you, you, because of the nature of what what was happening within the the travelling, you know, as as a ropu of travellers. I think you would have would have been well chosen mm. for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some people I, I've noticed, you know, even in contemporary times, some people are natural fire lighters. I, I observe that myself because I, I love fires, and I, I really watch and I observe how um, young people, older people, and I'm going, oh my gosh, I wouldn't get them to light a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. I do know what you mean. And I don't say it out loud, but I can definitely say I would. I when I'm observing, I'm saying, no, they're not lighting my fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it like like all those things. It's observation yeah. of the people that are who are around you, and you can see their their pukinga, their skills. So they get the job. That's how they get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not that much of a mystery, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would not. You wouldn't give it just to anybody. So, are there are there people like you know about this? Are there people who still practice that? We'll call it an art form at this point. Um. Yes, it's much more of a specialist art form. Fire, uh, the fire makers are very rare, but the style that I was. Uh, how do you say um, taught? I, I've never seen anyone else use it, um, except the person that I that I was trained by in the Waitakere's, and he was, you know, he, he basically said, "Oh, here you go, here's the fire sticks," and I went, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a fire maker, and it was very rare. I've never seen it again. 
So I'm very grateful for what I saw and experienced. Um, I was with my students at the time on several occasions, not just one occasion, um, and I they were exposed to it. And I'm not sure that they really realised how unique that experience was. Yeah. But it's rare. But yeah. I do know fire makers, yes. Mm. <laughs> so that's if, if you're if you're in the bush and you're for several days, you've got one match left. Um, this is the solution, I guess. <laughs> one match. Well, I don't I'm know. Taking, I wouldn't take matches into the bush. <laughs> no, I know. I, I know. I've created a situation which is pretty unlikely, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you go without unheated food. You just eat raw. <laughs> that's the other option. But but for you know if it's if you're cold. I mean, fire is definitely your friend when you're cold. Absolutely. Mahueka, the goddess of fire, mm. she managed to um, gift it back to us and keep it for us so that we can have that ability to, to um, you know, create fire. And in our, definitely in our Pakiwaitara, we have a, 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 we've been gifted a beautiful story of indigenous science around those trees that hold the uh, potential to to light, to, to ignite, yes, yeah. for children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it is a rare gift, but I was, um, yeah, I was gifted that, that skill. Yeah. I'm not very good at it, but um, I do know what to do. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's the important bit, I guess. Yeah. You want to retain to retain that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Hey, folks, we've been talking to Ngaronoa Renata, and it's a Kairongoa segment. And thank you for talking to us this morning. I'm glad that you're well. Yeah. And especially thank as I could you. I couldn't find you at the start of the interview. I was worried, but um. <laughs> yes, and um, thank you for having me. And um, kia ho maru, koutou ma. Yes, be safe.